number 56. Listen, I'm glad that there is grace for every need. Hey, man, it's camp meeting time at Lighthouse. I've been looking forward to this since last year on Thursday night of camp meeting. I'm glad it's time for this again. Hey, man, aren't you? Page 56, grace for every need. Sing it now. There is joy divine that it's the Lord has forgiven me, and I work and sing for my blessed King. By His grace, I am made free. There is grace for every need. Grace for you, grace for me, keeping true, keeping free, precious Savior. Be grace in Grace to cover all my sin. Grace to all who believe. All oh, this grace I receive. Oh, forgiveness all may win. Yes, there's grace in the Lord's perfect love. He will ever keep when the tempest sweet and have grace for its trying. Listen, so I go in love to the spring above, ever trusting His grace and His power. There is grace for every need, grace for you, grace for me, keeping true, keeping free, precious saving grace in need. It's flowing from the throne of to cover all my sin, grace to all who believe, all oh, this grace now receive, oh, forgive, this all may win, yes there's grace in the Lord's perfect love, oh this wondrous grace is for all the race, it is boundless and To my blessed King, who by grace now He's keeping. Sing it, church. There is grace for every need. Grace for you, grace for me. Keeping true, keeping free. Precious Savior, be grace in need. It's flowing from the throne above. Grace to To all who believe, oh, this grace now receive, who forgive, this all may win. Yes, there's grace in the Lord's perfect love. Amen. 133, page 133. I feel like traveling on. Page 133. Heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. Nor pain nor death can enter there. I feel like traveling on. Sing 
about three more times. If you got something to be thankful for tonight, give the Lord a big amen. I came in a little bit discouraged and a little bit downtrodden, but not only do I feel good, but I feel like going another mile tonight. I feel like praising the Lord. We're going to put that in there tonight. Listen, if the Lord's been good to you, sing it from the bottom of your heart, all right? The Lord has been so good to I feel like praising the Lord until that blessed home I see. I feel like praising the Lord. Sing it now. Oh, yes, I feel like praising the Lord. I feel like praising the The Lord has been so good to me. I feel like praising the Lord. Sing it now. Unto that blessed home I see. I feel like praising the Yes. Yes, I feel like praising the Lord. I feel been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. 24 years old on the second Friday night of May, I knelt down in an old-fashioned altar. I had done been there one other time before, but nothing changed when I got up. I did one of those leaf-turning experiences, but at the age of 24 on the second Friday night of May, I said, Lord, don't let me go home the same way I came in here. And old things passed away, and behold, all things became new. And one good thing happened. He wrote my name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm glad that I know that. Now let's sing it. My name is in the Book of Life. 
times wondering if, if the Lord should come back. Boy, am I going to get to go? And I, I was trying my best to get there off of what Daddy had done and what Mama had done, but I couldn't do that. And uh, But there's something that took place that night, and I'm forever thankful for it. There's about half of you singing tonight like you know you've had one of those experiences, and there's quite a few of you ain't really got tuned in quite yet. I want us to go back and sing that second verse and think about where you used to be. 
where you used to was, as they say where I can, where you used to was, but had it not been for the good grace of God and Calvary and the blood of Jesus, we'd still be in the same place. I'm glad I know that my name is there. My name once stood with sinners lost and bore a painful record. But by His blood the Savior crossed and He placed it on. And you got to sing in church. I know.
Borrow dreams. 
also taught me through his ministry what it's like to have to follow the shepherd where he pulls aside some of the stilled waters. And those are the place where he tells you that everything the Bible says that he satisfies my soul. And that's where everything that's all a ruckus just gets a little bit of peace brought in the middle of the storm. And no matter what we're faced with, sometimes in those mountaintop experiences, we'll forget just how good or how bad things can or were in our life from one time to another. Because if you and I were depending on what we are doing or what we have done or what we could do tomorrow to be able to 
be able to get the grace and the mercy of God to be able to have those experiences, boy, we wouldn't have anything. And so sometimes we need places like this and things like this to happen just to recall us to remembrance the things that God's done and who He is. And so I'm thankful that He hasn't never looked at me and said, if you'll do these things or be this way or turn out like this, then I'll do this. He has never done me that way. But though I have failed Him, He has never failed. Though I have forsaken Him, He has never forsaken me. And I just need to be reminded of those things sometimes because it's nothing good that I've done to deserve His own signs. The things that I love and Remind me, remind me. 
God is good. Amen. Appreciate Brother Sam and Sister Beck singing for us tonight. And appreciate the presence of God. I tell you, I wouldn't trade being in God's house with His Spirit for anything that this world has to offer. All the money in the world. I wouldn't trade it for this right here. I love to feel His presence. We were having prayer meeting out back on the rock altar that our pastor built. And the preacher began to speak before we prayed. The tears began to flow. He said, I just want you to pray that God's Spirit will be here tonight. Brother Dean whispered in my ear. He said, pray for something else. He's already here. Well, I tell you, it's a blessing to feel His presence tonight. We have some special guests with us tonight that we want to come and sing before the man of God comes and gives us what God's laid on his heart. The Hendersons have been here, and I'm going to tell you, I've been dying for six months to hear them sing at the Lighthouse Baptist Church in South Georgia. Sisters, you come and give us what God's got on your heart.
Well, it's turning into a three hanky service. Amen. Everybody that loves the Lord, say amen. amen. Take your Bibles and go to the Gospel of Luke. Go to Luke and the 17th chapter. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? Thank the Lord. What a day that'll be. What a day that'll be. What a day that'll be when this day is over. Just be, that'll be a good day. I don't even know what's going to happen over there. I'm just so tired of what's happening over here. Bless the Lord. It's an honor to be in the same building. <clears throat> Let me rephrase that. Building, we can do better than that. Honor to be in the same service. I like church language. Honor to be in the same assembly. With, with some great war horses. Brother James Langston. Brother Marion Atkinson. There are several. There's some old deacons here. That not everybody knows, but God knows them. Not all deacons are bad. Brother Dent, what a blessing. Just enjoy the fruits of your labor this year. Bless the Lord. Let me address the church for just a moment. Well, it's pretty evident there's a confirmation. <laughs> I bless the Lord. Are y'all in Luke 17? Because I have no idea where I'm at. <laughs> Woo! Bless the Lord. Appreciate all the good pastors that have come. Good to see Brother Bobby Stewart. Great evangelist. Got a burden for America. Trying to get in every state capital. He's been in the nation's capital. He's at the prayer breakfast the other day. We're praying for Brother Bobby Stewart that God will help him. A lot of, a lot of Christian folk go to D.C., but there are not many Holy Ghost preachers go up there. Oh, that's different. Oh, that's really different. That's different. And I bless the Lord. Luke 17, thank the Lord. Glory. Luke in the 17th chapter, Lord, we thank you for Calvary. Our Father, thank you for sending your Son, Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Thank you for our Bible. Thank you for our freedom. Thank you, Lord, for our church. Thank you for our great salvation. Lord, help me for a little while to be thy mouthpiece, to be thy minister, to be thy man, to be thy messenger. Lord, I'm just flesh, need more pride and foolishness and rot gut 
So, Lord, I need you to sanctify me, cleanse me, put burnings in my soul, put a blinders on my eyes, guard on my lips. Lord, most of all, enable us to walk down into thy inner chambers tonight. Lord, receive the help. And more than help, just receive whatever you have for us down there. Lord, we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. And all the Lord's people said. Amen. When I preach a message the Lord's given me in recent days, I think maybe only the third time I've preached it. It's a simple sermon, but maybe it'll help us. The Lord has given us a Bible. Aren't you glad you got a Bible? Amen. And I'll be honest, I don't ever pick my sermons. I never have, never been able to. Never do select my sermons. Never do select my studies. The Lord... Puts us in a piece of scripture. And then he burns the message in our heart. And then we preach it when we're supposed to. I've had all kind of suggestions for the Lord. And he's never paid attention to not one of them. But I've loved this piece of scripture. I've loved it. Luke 17. If the Lord will help me, I want to walk through the whole chapter. Uh, We've got supper. back. Is that right? Yeah, we got supper back there, ham. We're not under the law, and if you're a Jew, you shouldn't be under the law either. So we're going to eat ham. And uh, thank God for it. Good news for y'all, I've not had supper. This is an hour and 20-minute sermon, but what's, what's with the ham? Okay. All right, it's a 30-minute sermon then. It's a 30-minute. I'm sold. I'm sold. Luke chapter 17, the first verse. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. I don't have a title. I can't ever think of one until I'm already almost done preaching. But if the Lord will help me, I want to talk to you about these offenses. And I'd like to tell you, they're coming. It's impossible. Offenses, really, as I looked in my Bible, don't have anything to do with your feelings. It has to do with your fallings. When you cause someone to be offended, you've made them stumble. And I want to make a little announcement to all the Americans. Some of you are more American than you are Christians, so I need to make a little announcement here. The Lord not really concerned about your feelings. Y'all, y'all kind of disappointed me there, so we we'll have to run that and buy you again. Uh, the Lord's not concerned about your feelings. And you shouldn't even bring them to church. If we could get that F-I-L-L-ing's feeling of the Holy Ghost, we wouldn't even ever hear about your feelings. Great peace. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law. And it didn't say your feelings would never get hurt. I get my feelings hurt and you do too. Genuinely so. Just by walking through a normal month, a normal week, 
Turns out there's other humans on this planet. I've seen them. Bump into them occasionally. Turns out there's relatives in your family. And I hate to tell you this about your church, but it has church members. He didn't say your feelings would never get hurt. You're not supposed to be a robot. Something wrong is stuff don't sting you. You've gotten bitter. You've gotten calloused. You've probably gotten distant from people. You can't obey the greatest of commandments. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor like yourself. If you're bitter and callous and distant. Mm. The Lord ain't talking about your feelings. He's talking about your fallings. What's it take to knock you out? What's it take to knock you down? He said in verse 2, if somebody makes one of these little ones stumble into hell, makes one of these little ones stumble into a great fall, It'd be better for a millstone hanging about your neck, cast in the sea. The Lord help me, I have seen, I've identified in this chapter six different ways in which offenses will come. And I'm going to go ahead and say the thing that I love about men like Brother Langston and Brother Dent and some of these old timers. Is that they never have quit. It ain't, it's not so much what they did, it's just that they never quit doing what they did. (laughs) And the one thing we're looking for to cross that finish line is faithful. Well done, thou good. Faithful. The Lord have ministered our hearts maybe a little while tonight and help us get our hearts right. I really want my heart to be often made right with God. Close to Him. I love the old hymn, Nothing Between. My soul and the Savior. Thank the Lord. Mm. All right, here they come. Six of them. They're just lined up. How many of you got up? Young preachers, you ain't got to find sermons. You just need to read scriptures. Preach the word. Get full of the Bible and let it come out. Quit trying to make it rhyme. Quit trying to make it literate. Sometimes mine rhymes. Sometimes they literate. Not tonight. I've got several of my good pastor friends here. They'll have it alliterated before I'm done. And then next week it'll be alliterated, Brother Mary. And I will not give them any credit. I'll say heaven opened up one night and I just saw it. Six things. Number one, I'm just going to walk through them, see if the Lord will help. I promise you I won't drag my feet where the Lord's moving on. And I promise if He stops somewhere, I'm going to stop with Him. Help me now. 
I'd give you my word on that. I don't mind. I don't. Well, amen. But verse three, first one. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother, just go ahead and circle the word brother, because I'm going to tell you, this is where offenses can come. This is where things can get so bad it'll make somebody fall, fall out, fall down, fall by the wayside. Just go ahead and circle it. Your brother. Do we don't get past three pages in the Bible, do and a man's hollering at him. Am I my brother's keeper? Done murdered his brother. There wasn't nobody on the planet but a mom and dad and two brothers, and one of them murdered the other and for his stand for God. I mean, page three. Page three. Offense is going to come through a brother. Deuteronomy 19, I think it's verse 4 or 14. I'm not going to turn there. You can read it at another time or read it now if you want to. But it's a verse that arrested me some years ago. Two men or neighbors, the brothers don't hate it, and they go down in the woods. The Bible says to hew wood and chop with their axes together. They're going to build something together. And you go back and read it. One of, by accident, his axe head come loose and he wounds his brother, even to the point of being fatal. And I love a phrase in there. It said, who hated not his brother in time past. I'm going to tell you something. A great goal in my life is to stay with everybody I started with. If we're going to do a lot of things together, we're going to have to chop wood together and sometimes... You can't hurt somebody when they're a hundred miles away, but when they're ten inches away, you can hurt somebody. We didn't hate each other when we walked down in them woods to do something for God. I don't want to hate you when I come out of them woods. If my axe gets loose and hits you, or your axe gets loose and hits me, I want to remember that we were brothers and we didn't start out to hate each other. I saw my dad and one of my uncles was trying to bust a hickory log. We both had, both had wood splitters. Now you can split red oak. It's as easy to split as a mean Southern Baptist church. I mean, without even trying. You can drive by one of them churches and holler out the window and it's split three ways. And then I like that pine when it's dry. It splits pretty easy. But a hickory, <laughs> hickory log. This is a big one. It wasn't even any wood in there. It's just all knots. <laughs> and they had a rhythm going. They were both. They had a rhythm. My dad and uh, half of y'all know brother Randy Bell and uh, Uncle Randy. I was about twelve or thirteen. I was a looking, and they had a rhythm going. A boom, a boom, a boom. And one of them timing got off. I was standing there working or trying to get out of work. I was about 12. I'd been told to do four things, and I was probably doing one of them. And one of them got off, and my uncle's axe had come down and got stuck in the thing, and then my dad's come down right next to it. They both, I remember, nobody got hurt, but they both jumped back. 
Both of them. Whoa, whoa. Ooh, ooh. Timing got off. Bible said, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. There ain't much of that going on. You know why there ain't many good men rebuking bad men? It's because there ain't many good men. Man living in sin won't rebuke another man for sin. Man who's cheating on his wife and stealing from God and hiding sin. He'll fight people and he'll hate people, but he'll never go to them. Men living in sin won't go to other men about sin. Y'all help me now. Because this man in this very verse, Brother Reese, Brother Bobby said, If he repent... What does it say? Forgive him. In one verse, you got rebuking. And Brother Langston, I looked at it, it's a half inch apart. Rebuke, forgive. Rebuke, forgive. But just two words in between. Rebuke, forgive. Rebuke, forgive. You won't find a man going to rebuke unless he's got forgiveness. If you ain't got forgiveness ready in the next five seconds, you got no business rebuking anybody. I believe it's in the same verse. Rebuke him, forgive him. Rebuke him, forgive him. Rebuke him, forgive him. Rebuke him, for in the same verse. We ain't got many real churches, any real pastors, any real Christians, and nobody can deal with anything scripturally. I love that Sunday school lesson that's been preached around the world probably more than any other. Right up there, Daniel in the lion's den. You know what it is. It's David and Goliath. You know what that chapter almost was? It was almost the story of David and Eliab. Goliath wasn't the only big man there. David had a big brother named Eliab. He was jealous. He was naughty. He was proud. He was upset because he got passed over for being king. Because the prophet wasn't impressed with all of his outer abilities. David come down to the battle and Eliab got in his face and tried to humiliate him. With all of his friends. There's little David been babysitting the sheep, the baby of the family. And big brother tries to humiliate him in front of the whole army. David said two things, and it's what me and you need to say every time we're in a we're in a conflict with a brother. He said two things. Big brother was in his face. What if he'd have fought him? Giant killer would have done been in the wrong battle. Goliath would have come in and been a whole different history. You ain't supposed to fight every big thing in front of you wanting to fight. You're not supposed to fight every big thing in front of you that's wanting to fight. We independent Baptists, we're pretty good about fighting. 
Southern Baptist handed out Sunday school pins. We got heavyweight belts. <laughs> Welterweight belts. That was kind of funny. I never thought about that. I didn't think about that right now. Oh, my. Now, I'm not ashamed of being an independent Baptist. I, I'm ashamed of some independent Baptist, but I'm not ashamed to be one. And I believe in it. Jude, the last epistle before the second coming, he said, we got to earnestly contend for the faith. Help me now. But contend for the faith. Don't contend with the brethren. Kill the giant, not the brother. Well, the brother ain't being nice. Well, some of them are like that. First time I preached this, a little pastor and his wife, they're so humble. They're so precious. They got to shouting over there. She got to weeping. He got to shouting. They're some of the most humble people. Because it's just, I opened up this sermon just three weeks ago. It was the first time I preached it. And, and I said, just, some of you need to thank, we just need to stop and thank God that you're not the one through whom offense has come. My goodness. Thank God that He's worked in your heart and your life and you're not the one offending people all the time. Be glad that you're not Eliab. And I didn't know it and I never did get the details. I enjoyed gossip. I tried to get the details, but they were all good Christians in that church. Very boring. I never got the details, Mama Henderson. But I found out later there was a great conflict and they were being abused and mistreated by people supposed to love them. And I just reared back for a little while and said, thank God that he's made you the kind of person who's not doing the offending. And he come out of his seat, Brother Langston, shouting, amen. Got him some help. And his precious little wife got him some help. And they got him some help just thanking God that they wasn't the people that was full of the devil. What if he had a fault? Eliab, two things he said. What have I now done? And is there not a cause? I'm fixing to go to the second point, but that's what we all need to... Do you know he could have told a lot of things on Eliab? The prophet looked at him and knew he wasn't fit to be a king. Guarantee you little David had heard all the stories. And he could have said, I'm going to tell people what you've done. But he didn't. He said, what have I done? What have I now done? Boy, this will help a marriage. What have I done? This will help a church. What have I done? This will help preachers and the Lord's servants who have to work together. What have I done? And is there not a cause? There's a bigger picture and it's a bigger giant. And Eliab, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to fight you. A brother. Number two. Now this number two is pretty tough. I, I, I'll probably take more time with number two and run right through some other of these things here. But I, you can't run through number two because I tried running through it and I kept falling and crashing. There's five hurdles you got to clear. I, I love watching track and field while I'm eating potato chips and drinking Coca-Cola. Look at them people sweating. They're so athletic. I am too. Watch me stretch. Look at that. Get you some of that. 
But I hate hurdles. It's a good night. They got to clear them hurdles. But I like it when they trip and fall. It's so fun. I'm sorry. We got five hurdles to clear. Now you want to know who may offend you here? Let's see if you can see it. Okay, we're moving on. By, by the way, verse 5, when he told him about that brother, the apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to go to the second point, but some of these brothers, we got to, yeah, Lord, you got to help me with this one. Increase our faith. Verse 7, see if you can identify who the offense might come through. But which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he's come from the field, Go and sit down to meet. And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken. And afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant? Because he did the things that were commanded him. I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Sometimes the master might cause you offense. The master. Talked about something. Here, let me talk about it for me. He said, who has a servant? And he's out there and he's bore the burden and the heat of the day and he's plowed all day long. But when he comes in, they don't sit him down and serve him. The master says, I see the work you've done now. Now you're not done. Make me supper. Oh, and then, then third hurdle coming up. Now that you've made supper, uh, you're not going to eat until we've eaten. You're last. You're eating last. That's what he said there. Third hurdle. And, and then, and then fourth hurdle, uh, don't expect any thanks. Do you need to be thanked? Well, then there's a problem. Fifth hurdle, we're going to lose all of our little spoiled Americans. They done slammed their glass on the table and cussed out the waitress. Fifth hurdle, we need you to testify and tell us how unworthy you are, how unprofitable you are. All right, I ran through them and I can see y'all just looked at them. Nobody would get out of here and jump the hurdles with me. So let's try to jump the hurdles. Let's see if you've made the hurdles. You're going to have a hard time finding church members that are even past the first hurdle. Staying out there in the field all day. Thank God for folks that don't quit. Mm. Mm. 20 minutes of preaching right there. Then number two, when they come in from plowing all day, let's go ahead and say number two, number two. Thank God for people who will go the second mile. Oh, by the way, you're not done. Make supper. How many of y'all got these kind of church members? Number three, uh, uh, now that you've made supper and worked all day, you're not going to eat until everybody else has eat. You're going to come in last. And then number four, let's see if we can clear this hurdle. Uh, don't expect any thanks. 
oh, you got to be thanked to do this. Come on, y'all, I didn't write Luke 17. And after them four hurdles, we need you to, we need to hear you testify. And it needs to sound something like this. I'm an unprofitable servant. I've just done that. What was my duty to do? Now, I'm going to say this, if you'll just pardon me. If you're full of yourself, you're not going to clear many of them hurdles. And he's our master. Now, I was reading a little something, and this helped me. I was reading, and I've been to Thailand one time in our World Harvest Missions, fixing to go back, fixing to go to Japan. Uh, you older preachers, Brother Willard, y'all know, I went over there to Tommy Tillman's, the leper colonies. Didn't go with him, but I, he'd already gone. But not too long ago, it was in Thailand. And then I was reading about a missionary in Thailand, and he had a group of Americans on a mission trip. Now, a lot of times you got to watch Americans on a mission trip. They're all spoiled. Y'all talk yeah. to me in here. And they looked down there and he was showing them this, this missionary to Thailand was showing them his, his people, his little village. And there was a boy, probably 18, pulling the plow like he was the ox. And his daddy had the plow. And these Americans, you know, sometimes Americans are arrogant. They laughed at, made fun of it. What's that boy? That boy's, look, he's the animal. That young man was, he was, he had on the harnesses and the strap like he was the ox. And his daddy, and they said, how primitive are your people? Why would that daddy do that to that boy? They knew they were his church members. And that missionary, he just cut them off and he rebuked them. He said, let me tell you men something. He said, you know why that boy is pulling that plow? Because we needed a little church. We didn't have the money. And the boy came to the altar and said, I'd like to give our cow to God. And, and I'll pull the plow. I'll be the cow. I'll pull the plow. Because we need our little church building to be built. I got a feeling that boy will stay with you all day. I got a feeling that boy will come in from the field and say, excuse me, let me make supper. I got a feeling that boy will serve everybody and then eat last. And, and y'all know people who do who eat last. And I got a feeling that you ain't got to thank that boy. You ain't got to pump him and prime him and find him and pet him. Brother Ojo, I bet that boy will show up the next day for work and nobody ever said thank you. And I bet if you let him testify, he'd say something like this. I'm glad to give our cow to God because I'm unworthy to be saved. I'm not even worthy to be here. Thank y'all for letting me just be a little part of something right here. Thank God, honey. If the master can offend you, you're full of yourself. 
They got to pet you and pump you and prime you, brag on you and notice you and use you and recognize you. You got in you what Lucifer had in him. When he looked at that throne and said, I want to be on that throne. The master. Number three. Offenses will come. By the way, before I leave that, I just glanced at my little notes. What about Lazarus in the previous chapter? Huh? What about Luke 16, the rich man in hell? What about Lazarus? God never done nothing for him to get him out of them gates, out of them beggars, out of them sores, out of them dogs. Y'all ain't helping me. God never. We're so influenced by the charismatics in our generation. If God don't do something for us every ten minutes, we're quitting. What about that, Brother Bob? I got to think about old Lazarus. The Lord never... <laughs> Didn't He stay there, Brother David? Stayed at the gate. Stayed in His sores. Dogs licking on Him. God never rearranged it. But there's a verse in Luke 16 said to the Thou in thy lifetime. But now, but now, but now, but now, but now, we're headed for a day, honey, where everything's going to change. Over yonder, there'll be no more plowing. Over yonder, he makes the supper. Over yonder, he serves it. Hey, old deacon, brother Dismuke, didn't you used to talk about that in our prayer meetings? For that day that the, you're going to fill an arm around your shoulder, you're seated at the marriage supper, a nail-scarred hand going to put a plate in front of you. Going to, wow. <laughs> he served supper in that day. In that day, he says, thank you. He said, I'm a coming to give my reward to every man according as his work shall be. In that day, he tells us who's profitable servants. Y'all ain't helping me. Come on over to these five hurdles. There's coming a day. He's going to pick you up like a baby and carry you back through all five and give you back everything, honey, that he ever saw you give to him a hundredfold. <laughs> Woo! If you ever hear a Baptist say two different things, you can count on it. They're lying through their Baptist teeth. If you ever hear them say, well, we had to leave that church because we just wasn't getting fed. What are you, a baby or an invalid? That's the only two kind of people who can't feed themselves. They got one lie, Brother Eat, fatter than that lie. Here, here's the big fat lie. Well, we got herd over there. They're lying. Anybody that ever opens their mouth and tells you about them something, we ain't doing that. We ain't kids we got herd over there. They're lying. I'll promise you that person has probably hurt a hundred people. 
But they didn't get hurt. You mark her down. I can tell a third of y'all have said that before. I promise you they didn't get hurt. The only people that actually get wounded in this thing are on the front line. And the only people on the front line studied his wounds so long that when they get their own, they rejoice that they were counted worthy to suffer. They don't ever come crawling back with, I quit and I ain't doing that no more because I got hurt. They leap for joy when men persecute them. They don't go on social media with a passive-aggressive little dig. Y'all ain't helping me. They leap for joy. They leap for joy when men persecute them. They leap for joy. Anybody ever actually got wounded for him had already studied his wounds until they count them trophies. And they talk like the Apostle Paul. I've learned to glory in my infirmities, my reproaches, my necessities, my distresses for Christ's sake. The Master. Let me run through some of these now. This just goes right in hand with that last. Now we're in verse 11 and 12. Here's the ten lepers. This just goes right in hand with this other. Pardon me. Pardon my pollen. Luke 17, verse 12. The ten men, the lepers. Verse 13, Jesus. Master. There's that master business. Have mercy on us. And then so he said, they were cleansed. I love verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice. With a loud voice glorified God. Time out. Five seconds. Got to chew out. People been hanging around to me in Bible colleges. You glorify God with a loud voice. If y'all pray silent and preach silent and praise God silent and think silent, stay, 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 stay away from me. You're going to give me a nervous breakdown. I believe in shouting out loud, praying out loud, preaching out loud, glorifying God out loud. Well, I don't like that bad thing. Well, leave me alone. Right there. Verse 16. Fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Huh. We got two in a row thankful. And it was a Samaritan. And I, and y'all know there's a lot of preaching here, but I want you to underline one thing. Look at the end of verse 17. Jesus answered and said, Where are the nine? Number three. Dalton, I hope you're alliterating this for me. Number three, I think. Offenses can come through unthankful people. What about when 90% of your ministry forgets who you are. Didn't the Apostle Paul say, down there in 2 Timothy 4, all they which be in Asia are turned away from me. Now honey, that'll hurt you. That'll hurt your feelings. That'll hurt every feeling you've ever had. Brother Langston, how many would you have in your congregation if they'd all stayed with you? <laughs> Yeah, I saw some of yours at Subway the other day. But I got news for you. Jesus said, where are the nine? Only one. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
Make a little simple announcement. These old preachers don't need it, but the rest of us do. I hope you're not doing what you're doing for people. I hope what you're doing for people, you're not doing it for people. I hope what we do for people is not for people. What did they say, a young preacher? I was called when I was 13. He'll preach 10 years because he loves preaching. Then he'll preach another 10 years because he loves people. Of course, his granny told him he was the best preacher. Then he realizes that really wasn't quite true. And then them very people that he... Oh, I love people. Compassion for all these programs for people. And then he meets them people. And they leave you laying there bleeding. Said, but a, but a good preacher then goes on the next few years and he preaches. Not because he loves preaching. Not because he loves people. Because he loves Jesus. I thought about the tithe. He got a tenth. It's what the Lord told Isaiah in chapter 6. Gave him that great commission. Go to Israel. They're not going to hear you. I want you to preach to people that I'm not going to allow them to hear. They wouldn't listen, so they can't hear, but I need a witness. I haven't seen nobody stretch that verse out over the choir, and this is our theme verse for the year. (laughs) No one's going to listen. I've been making up funny banners to stretch over choirs lately, brother. I ain't going to tell you and Sam. Both of y'all together are bad, 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 sarcastic bad. Stay there, Isaiah! How long? Until all the cities be forsaken to be a great desolation, a great forsaking in the midst of the land. I want you to stay till everybody's gone. But the last verse of Isaiah 6, he started out seeing the Lord high and lifted up, but he ended up seeing a tenth. I can't quote this exactly right. But he said, but yet in it, after he told them, nobody's going to listen and everybody's going to leave you. Nobody's going to listen! Everybody's going to leave you. But yet in it shall be a tenth. And there'll be a seed. Like a teal oak and there'll be a substance. And it'll take root and it'll come up again. Stay till it's over because then God's going to bring something up from that tenth. What he had here was a tenth. Mm. Unthankful people. Everybody needs to go listen to Dr. Paris Reed Head. I guess he's dead and gone now. Brother Reese, I'm sure. Brother old Joe, he was that great missionary to Africa. Paris Reed Head. And said that he went when he saw the suffering of them poor souls and had that great compassionate for humanity. And so he went down to Africa back in the early 1900s. To pour out his life to save these poor, miserable wretches. Said, but when he got there, he found out that they were going to hell because they loved their sin. And they didn't want God. That sound familiar to any gospel preachers? He said, they got so ugly and so mean and so bad that he got to where he nearly hated them. And he asked God. Told God, I'm coming home. I'm done with this crap. He got off in his prayer closet. You need to go here and preach it. But he got off in his prayer closet telling the Lord he's coming home. And the Lord said a little something like, no, you're not. 
you went down there for them. Wrong motive. And then he said the Lord rebuked him and said, you also went down there for you. You're ready to be the hero. And he said, the Lord, he said, it's like an ancient voice coming out of the distant chambers of the Holy of Holies. God said, I need you to stay. And I want you to go to this people for the right reason. I need you to go for my son, Jesus. He crawled up on a cross and he paid the price for their souls. And I want you to go get them for him. He loves them though you don't. Because he loved you when nobody else would. And go get them for him. Mm. Mm. He goes on to tell the story Dr. Parrish Reed had. Ten shekels and a shirt is the title of the sermon. Everybody needs to listen to it and think about becoming a Christian. He then tells about the two little Moravian brethren. Two young men, single, in their early 20s. Over there in that western Europe out of the region of Moravia. The Moravian brethren. Praying outfit. He said two of them young men during the time of the British Empire. Two of them young men heard of a South Pacific island. One of them British lords. Had him an island with over 2,000 slaves. Never going to release them. And he hated God. He made a boast that there will never be the gospel of Jesus preached on my island. But them two young men in the early 20s sold their self into a life of slavery. Made slaves out of their self. Got on a ship in shackles to go to that island to be preachers. And and what exactly did you get hurt about last week? Did somebody sing your song? Somebody parked in your spot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your nephew should have been over the youth and not her nephew. Y'all ain't helping me. Americans. Said them two boys are standing on the edge of the ship, Brother David. And their little church family was gathered up and their families and they were all weeping and waving, never to see them again. And one of them boys saw them weeping and sorrowing so much he hollered back. He said, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. We're going to go get them for him and we'll see y'all again over there. Now, do y'all want to have church or do you want to play little American church? Unthankful people. We don't do this for people. We do this for Jesus. Let me head for the end of this thing. Verse 20. I'm going to read the first line and you're going to immediately recognize through whom offenses come. Verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees. <laughs> only count on it. A Pharisee can really knock a lot of people off their feet. <laughs> Look at this. I saw him in here. You, 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 can, can y'all work for a second? Just for a second. Verse 20. He was demanded of the Pharisees. Chapter 18 verse 11. There is that 
Remember the Pharisee and the publican that went to the temple to pray? And this Pharisee standing there in chapter 18, verse 11, I thank thee, I am not as a... I'm glad I'm a lot better than this publican. Demanded. Disdained. Go back to chapter 16, you'll see him. And that elder, that elder brother. Chapter 16, verse 14. And the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him. Alright, now so far... We got derision, demand, and disdain. Well, there's one more. Go to 15. There's that elder brother. Picture of the Pharisee. Chapter 15, verse 28. And he was angry. Stuck out there on the porch. Angry. There's four Pharisees in four chapters. Demanding deriding, disdaining. I had a D for that fellow and I forgot what it was. Come up with something quick, Brother Reese. Don't look at Dalton, that's no fair. Young brain, young brain. What about them Pharisees? You know what a Pharisee is? That's, that's somebody more spiritual than Jesus. If you're more spiritual than Jesus, you're too spiritual. Why did thy disciples not wash thy hands? They're eating corn, plucking corn on the Sabbath. They didn't even wash their hands. Please, I wish they took up a corn cob and beat, beat the fool that upside their head. I'm not a good, I'm not a spiritualist, Lord. Pharisees is who killed our Savior. I know the Romans and I know our sins and I know God, but the Pharisees was at the... Let me tell you something, there's mean people down there at the church that think they're better than everybody. They'll kill, G- they'll kill the body of Christ and, and pat themselves on the back for it. I need a little help here. If you're going to go to church longer than 10 minutes, you better get ready for a Pharisee. You ain't got to have standards to be a Pharisee. Do you know this contemporary bunch with no standards are the most judgmental people you've ever seen in your life? Every other post on social media is telling you how much more spiritual they are because they're not spiritual. It's the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Oh, there's some more self-righteous. Did you know the contemporary movement will only allow half the, half the people to come to their church? That's how mean they are. We let religious people come in here. We let reprobate people come in here. We let wretched people come in here. We let high and mighty noble people. We let everybody come be saved. You got to be a hippie, a drunk, or a harlot to go to their church. If you ain't dressed like you at grandma, they will judge you for dressing right. <laughs> That's funny right there. That's getting really weird. They have a self-righteous, condescending attitude toward you because they don't have any standards. Which makes them more spiritual. Somehow, in their world, I'm like, wow, you got a double thing going there and I'm lost in the shuffle. (laughs) They're some of the meanest people alive. You can't even get close to them and touch them. They're all passive-aggressive on social media. They have posts for a month if you even touch something belongs to them. Help me now. 
Don't think a Pharisee is just somebody who's got bigger dress standards than you do. We let any religious lost person come in here tonight and get saved. They'd let them flat up at front. No, get out of here. You're, you're the conservative crowd. You're traditional. This is for hippies and people from, you know, think it's Walmart. People like Starbucks. Help me now. People's headed for the game. Won't drop off for thirty minutes at church. That's the most super. That's the most self condescending crowd I've seen in my lifetime. The crowd said, we're leaving the IFB because we're actually spiritual. We're spiritual because we don't act spiritual. <laughs> oh, y'all ain't helping me. You want to get your throat cut? Get on social media and touch one of them contemporary buzzers. Just touch one of them. 5,000 will come after you. Touch one of them. <laughs> Fire ants. <laughs> Right. Huh? Pharisees. I'm going to make a long story real short. I, I mean, I, I make it longer than it even is. This is a great story because I get to complain in this story. They went to give my daddy a raise. He done took that little church in Tennessee. I was a boy. He took it nothing but a block building with no windows, no carpet, no pews, no parsons. He done built a great church for them, the power of God. And they decided it's time to give my our family six kids a raise and two fat cats, a man and his father-in-law, shot it all down. And you know the real Christians always suffer. Mom and daddy said, okay, and just walked back over and we walked to the parsonage and eat bologna. And they'd all drive to the steakhouse and laugh at us on the way. Now that ain't a big story to y'all. But that's a big story to a little feller who watches mom and daddy give their life to these rascals and scoundrels. Y'all ain't helping me. I don't know if that qualifies as suffering, but in my little heart, it was enough for them Pharisees. There's a reason a lot of preachers' kids and deacon kids don't ever go to church again as soon as they get a chance to not to. You talk about preachers' kids and deacon kids all you want to. There's a hot place in hell for people who have offended them little ones. And I walked across the grass, preacher! My mama and daddy and they apologized to us for lukewarm bologna. Nothing on it. White bread, old bread. From the Chattanooga bakery. That was old is how we got it. And they laughed on their way to the steakhouse. But I had a mom and daddy who wasn't doing this for people. God knows my heart. He, I think my heart's pure about this. What I'm thinking to tell you, it's not revenge. I can tell you where that man's children and grandchildren are now. Brother David, it's some of the worst hair-raising stories that you'd ever even want to hear. The last thing you'd ever want to happen to your two daughters. The man had four daughters. You won't even believe I couldn't even tell you in front of your daughters how his daughters turned out and what happened to them. 
And there's a bunch of little Macnese kids, 16 grandkids. Everybody's in the house of God. Everybody's in the will of God. Everybody's in the blessings of God. I would tell you how good God's been to us, but I feel bad because a lot of people have had a lot of problems. So I can't even tell you how good God's been to the six children and the 16 grandchildren. I can't even tell you how good God's been. And where them rascals are now. Yeah. That's right. Mom and daddy spent their life remodeling parsonages for other people to live in. Yeah, come on, brother. Daddy's got a cabin on a lake with a gate. Come on. Brother Mean. He got up there and his mom and dad got up into them older years. And all they had done was remodel parsonages and serve the Lord. Eat bologna when you have to. Man took him fishing on a private lake. Only 20 members allowed since 1939. Nobody's ever been allowed in the club. 85-year-old woman walked out on the dock, didn't know none of them. Daddy said, I'm a preacher, and they brought me fishing here today. She said, would you like this cabin? She said, my husband died and my kids are acting like devils. I'm going to teach them a lesson for the first time in their little spoiled life. (laughs) And Brother Langston, for the price of an old used car, gave my daddy a a lifetime membership in a gated club. Gave him the cabin. Daddy was at a church in Maryland that said, we're going to remodel it and pay for it and make sure you got a retirement account to live on. Turns out when you do this thing for Jesus, things turn out right. Let Let them mean people at church be mean. Because they're going to be there. Satan goes to church where God goes to church. Uh Satan goes to church where God goes to church. Satan hangs out where God hangs out. He don't mess with nothing else. There's a day coming. I'm going to close. I'm not done, but I'm going to close. But I will mention the last two points. Verse 25. I think I can say this in 20 seconds. Can y'all get this in 20 seconds? I'm in Luke 17. I'm going to mention the last two things because I always get in trouble when I don't. They fuss at me after church. Luke 17 verse 25. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of, here it comes folks, this generation. As it was in the days of Noah. Heard Brother Langston 25 years ago preaching on Noah. Preaching and nobody listening to him. Closer he got to the judgment, the less people listened. So I'm going to say this. Offenses will come through the rejection of this wicked generation. Are y'all still with me? Through the rejection of this wicked generation. Honey, you and y'all know this, I'm preaching to the choir. They hated Christ, they're going to hate us. Yeah. Old evangelist told me this, Brother Dana Williams told me this, and I believe it. He said, Dean, this world 
would kill all of us Christians tomorrow if they had permission. If you'll kill a baby nine months in the womb, who would you not kill? If you'd kill a baby, pull it halfway out of the womb and kill it, you're a cold-blooded, stone-cold, devil-filled, murdering killer. Who would you not kill? Who would you not kill? So sexually perverted. Words I hate to use in church, and I try never to use words, some of these words in church, but our generation's addicted to the things on our computers and the phones. And they have a reprobate mind and they'll kill children. They'll abuse and kill children and never, and they never even think anything about it. They'd kill, Dana Williams said they'd kill us all tomorrow if they had permission. I'm not going to turn there. There's an amazing scripture in Proverbs 30. Four verses in a row. There is a generation. Oh, how lofty are their eyes. There is a generation, their teeth are as razors. There is a generation, honors not their mother. There is a generation, four verses. There is a generation. And we are living in that generation. This is just me. This will probably hurt most. This Y'all probably won't like this. And that's fine. You won't agree with this. God didn't put the church in America for social causes. God ain't interested in saving America. He's interested in saving sinners. Brother Bobby Stewart explained, he sat down and explained to me what he's done. He said, I ain't trying to turn our laws around. I ain't trying to go up there and fight and picket and strike. And He said, I'm trying to get in them offices and get... And get congressmen saved. Get governors saved. When Paul got in there, that's what he done. He gave him the gospel. He didn't try to turn the government around. He gave him the gospel. The rejection of this generation. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. This one blew me away. What verse is it? Sam says, remember Lot's wife. It's at the end of Luke 17. 32! 32. Would y'all look at that? And I've never seen this so clear as what I've seen it on this study. And I'm going to say this to you. And if, if you'll just, let me just say this to you. Great offenses can come through your spouse. I've heard 19 different sermons on Lot's wife and what the deal was. Why did she turn back? I agreed with every one of them. Gave an offering every time. <laughs> I'm an evangelist. I'm easy to get along with. What's for supper? But when I saw this, it's very simple. God, I'm going to say something. God was trying to rescue him and his family and she loved her old life. And didn't want to turn it loose. It's displayed in the next few verses. Two. There will be two grinding. at There will be two in bed. There will be two in the field. Two, two, and two. One taken, the other left. It's in the next few verses. One taken, the other left. One taken, the other left. One taken, the other left. All of that in the context of Lot's wife. He was taken. That's a rapture word. 
He was taken out. But she was left. I'd never seen it like that. I'd never seen it so clear. I never, I never tied them to one taken, one left, one taken, one right there with. He was taken and she was left because she loved the world. There's a lot of preaching to be done right there, but that's what happened. He couldn't get her out. And I just want to stop and say that if anything could ever make somebody fall, what if you was David married to Michael? The greatest day of your life, bringing the ark back to Jerusalem, shouting down national parade before your God brought the ark back to Jerusalem. And when he got home, Michael, who was on the other side, because she'd been up there despising him behind a window, wouldn't go to church with him. She flung that hip out there about 20 Rosie O'Donnell yards. Ellen DeGeneres. She's probably watching Ellen DeGeneres. Just got done talking to Oprah Winfrey. Working out with Jane Fonda. Getting cosmetic surgery with Nancy Pelosi. I wish I knew more women to be mad at. That's the only ones I know. I'd go for an hour if I knew it. I said, I don't know anybody. Dalton, who are we mad at? Britney Spears. We're mad at her, I think. Are we? I don't know. We're mad at somebody over there. But okay. okay, I don't know who to be mad at, but I'm mad. And she got in his face. He had heaven on earth and hell at home all on the same day. I'm glad we got a Bible to help us through these things. First Corinthians said, don't leave them. But if they leave, let them depart. You're not under bondage. That's what it said. Simon Peter said something here. He said, he said, stay with them because they may be one without the word. That was interesting to me. Without the word, by the chaste conversation. When I went to Albania, Eastern Europe in 94, met a very unusual situation, all kind of unusual situation. They'd had no, no Bibles, no God, no gospel. Old boy got saved, got a hold of a half of, he was a doctor, got a hold of a half of a page by accident of a gospel track and got saved in Albania. Now they had a, they had a dictator who stamped out all religion. Even Muslim mosques, listen now, this boy burned the Muslim mosque, the Roman cathedrals, and the Greek Orthodox church buildings. He burned the Muslims' Bible, the Catholic Bible, the Greek. There was, when I say no religion, brother, you were executed or enslaved if you just crossed him in any way. They sang to him, they prayed to him. Watch this. So a boy got saved by getting a hold of a half of a page of a gospel tract, come fluttering out of some medical papers. He didn't even know what it was. Never heard a preacher, never seen a Bible, never had a choir, never been to a church. He got saved. He believed it and got saved. And he couldn't explain it to his wife. But she got saved six months later. And here's what she said. She said, I don't know what's happened to you. But the last six months, you've been kind to me. You've loved me. 
Whatever happened to you six months ago, I wanted that. And she got saved. Neither one of them knew what it was. They both saved. As much y'all know what it is, and I swear to you, ain't acted saved not for ten minutes. You should have heard the refreshing, unusual testimony when the iron curtain collapsed, ninety-one, ninety-two, and preachers started coming, and they started finding out what had happened to them. She said, you've been so good to me. I want whatever happened to you. Oh, my. Let me tell you something. The Bible said, if they depart, you let them depart. If they stay, you love them best you can. And a brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. Charles Weigel. Brother Langston, I wonder if you ever got to talk to him in Chattanooga there. Lee Robertson kept him up there in the college dorm. They put him on the very top of the tallest building. Charles Weigel, the old evangelist. His wife walked out on him. And he walked out into the chalkstone cliffs to jump off into... He got called to preach and she walked out. He walked out the door to go jump off the cliffs somewhere around Rhode Island. And he sat down and looked at it and the Holy Ghost stood up in his heart and said, she may have left you, but I'm not going to leave you. (laughs) And that's when he penned the words, wrote them down. And the church been enjoying that old hymn for 85 years. I'm not a singer and the pollen's been bothering me a little bit. But I'm going to sing anyway. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus since I found in Him a friend so strong and true. I would tell you how He changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. Said the man who was deserted. In the most painful desertions of all. No one ever cared for me. Like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness. I wrote in my notes when a spouse. I wrote in my notes. There's grace for living. If God wants you to live with them, there's grace to live with them. And then there's grace for leaving. If they leave, God will give grace. <laughs> there's grace. And, it, and I know I'm going to deal with this all across the country. But it's in there. There'll be two. But only one is in. Well, there's grace for living with them and there's grace for when they leave. There's grace. So I'm glad you don't have to fall out. I'm glad when that spouse quits on God, you don't have to. I'd say it hurts your feelings. I'd say there'd be no feeling left for a long time. But thank God, Brother Derry Barry, there's another feeling. F-I-L-L-I-N-G. There's another feeling. 
<laughs> I got to show you all this. Boy, I'm, I'm not sorry, but boy, I preached a long time. Would y'all look at Luke 18, 1? Boy, I've worked you hard. I'm not going to work you again the rest of the week like this. I may not get to preach again after preaching an hour and a half. Actually, I didn't. I did. But Luke 18, 1, you got to see this. You got to see this. Oh, this verse makes a lot of sense, Mama Henderson, after that whole chapter. What's he going to do? The thing ends with a spouse leaving. What's he going to do without living with a spouse? Luke 18, 1. He said, I tell you what, men ought to always to pray. And not to faith. What's he going to do with them Pharisees? And the preacher's kids are looking at him. I don't even want to go to church tomorrow. Well, let's just go pray. Men ought always to pray, not to faith. Where are the nine? I don't know. Let's go pray. Let's don't faint. <laughs> I've worked all day and I got to go to second mile. Nobody said thank you. And, uh, and I hadn't got to eat yet. Well, let's go pray. Men ought always to pray. That's how, that's how you don't faint. Get in there with him. Get in there with him. What do you do when one walks out? You just pray and don't faint. Oh my. Y'all bear your heads. Sam and Bick, I want y'all to come. David to play for you. Bick, I want you to sing something. I want us to stand. I want everybody to stand. I thank you for the patience. Let me deliver this message tonight. I'm going to ask Sister Bick to sing. I'm going to ask you to come pray. You don't have to, but if you'd like to, it's been matters of the heart. It might do you good to get on your face and bow before God after hearing these scriptures. Don't all that want to, let's gather around and let's pray. Make it easier for people to pray that really, really need to come pray. Come on and pray. Ladies, you can come. Men, you come. Teenagers, you can come. Get out in the aisle and find a place to pray. We need some folk that are not going to quit. Not fall out. The things that I Yes.
And I worry. I worry for not having something to worry about. And I think about that little word, if. What if this happens? What if this does not happen? And there's a lyric. I don't recommend anyone to worry. But I, I would recommend tonight that you go home and you think about where Come you on, could be. Think about where you might be. But for the grace of God. Think about where we What would happen if we had made those decisions from the King? What would happen if we stumbled under every offense that came our way? What would happen if we didn't reach up to God when He was reaching down to us? What would happen if we squared our shoulders back and raised our head and we said, I'm going through this, I can do it, but instead we came to our senses and we said,